Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Hello, I'd like to welcome you again as we continue in our study in the book of Exodus. And let's just ask help from the one and only person who can help us as we study now, God himself. Let's pray. Father, we come to you so needy to be taught by you. We count it a joy to be your students. What a privilege that God would teach us through the Holy Spirit. And we pray you do that now in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter three, and we'll continue as we study this vital passage here of Moses and God. And so we see here as we look in Exodus chapter three, we'll start then looking at this and and seeing here from verse five. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face. He was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large and a land flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppress them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I shall, I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee when thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt. You shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and say and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, what is his name? What shall I say? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. And God said moreover unto Moses, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me unto you. This is my name forever, This is my memorial unto all generations. Go, gather the elders of Israel together and say unto them, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the Isaac, and of Jacob appeared unto me saying, I have surely visited you and seen that which is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt unto the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites, the Amorites, 
the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, we were looking in our last study and we saw the importance that God had put to Moses or the importance that God had placed on Moses knowing that he was sent and by the fact that God gave to Moses a certain token or a sign for Moses to be reminded in his mind and never forget, God sent me, God sent me, God sent me. This was to be the burning issue in his mind, in Moses' mind. That's what God had put for Moses. And so we saw that God was looking down, as only God can, this tunnel of time, and he saw all the hardships that Moses was going to go through. And God was a friend of Moses, so God did not want to torture Moses, he wanted to prepare Moses. And so based on those hardships that God saw was gonna be in his way, he wanted to make sure that Moses was always assured and confident within himself and never doubted one fact that he was sent by God. And God wanted for Moses to, in this time, this very vital, important time in the life of Moses, that he should, one of the takeaway messages that he should have as he goes to them, the Jewish people, was that he was sent by God. And we saw that specifically God saw that Moses would be the first in a long line of prophets to the Jewish people, and that based on numbers or based on responders, that uh, Moses and along with all the prophets would consider themselves a failure. And we saw how God specifically told Ezekiel, one of the prophets, that based on the response to the message that if that's what you're looking at, Ezekiel, then God was saying to Ezekiel, you're gonna be a failure, you just have to understand that. But we saw that the response to the message is no measure of success or failure in God's sight. Of course we look at it that way, of course Ezekiel looks at it that way, Moses looks at it that way, he's gonna judge, they're gonna judge their success or their failure based on the response, the results. But that's not how God looked at it. And so he was preparing Moses for this because he saw all of this. And when he saw this in the case of Ezekiel too before Ezekiel went to the people, the Jewish people, that he said to Ezekiel in Ezekiel 3, 4, and he said unto me, so this is Ezekiel now, he's, he's, he's you know, giving us his, his uh, autobiography if you want. He says, he said unto me, son of man, go get thee unto the house of Israel and speak my words unto them. It's very careful, God said. You, Ezekiel, when you go to them and you speak to them, don't speak your words, Ezekiel. Speak my words. I'll put my words in you, in your ears, and that's what you're supposed to speak. And then in Ezekiel 3.7, God prepared his friend Ezekiel, just like he was preparing his friend Moses. And God said, but the house of Israel will not hearken unto thee for they will not hearken unto me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-headed. So hard-hearted, they're also hard-headed, but they, the text says they're hard-headed. So, what God was saying to Ezekiel, he was saying, Ezekiel, I want you to get this all settled in your mind right now, that you are not going to have a responding audience. He says, they will not hearken unto thee. And unless you should take that personally, Ezekiel, I want you to understand that God then went on to say, for they, they will not hearken unto me. So it's not so bad, Ezekiel. I mean, they didn't listen to me. Were you expecting they're gonna listen to you? 
And in fact, as a matter of fact, if they don't, if they don't listen to me and they listen to you, then we're going to doubt whether or not you're really bringing my words to them. You see, so Ezekiel would be prepared in advance, and God God wanted to prepare His friend Ezekiel in advance. So God sent Ezekiel to the Jewish people to tell them God's words. And then God promised to Ezekiel that they would not respond to him when he told them God's words because they hadn't responded to him and Ezekiel was just gonna be his ambassador, was gonna be his representative. But God never wanted Ezekiel for one second to doubt whether he was being sent by God or not. God never wanted Ezekiel to look at the response of the Jewish people and to say, I haven't been sent. I must be in the wrong place. What am I doing here? God never did that, and he just wanted to Ezekiel to understand that his success was going to be from the fact that he obeyed God, that he was doing what God wanted, and that, and even though the Jewish people were not gonna respond to the message, he wanted to make it very clear to Ezekiel that response to God's message has nothing to do with whether or not Ezekiel was being sent or whether or not God viewed Ezekiel as successful. God was never gonna say to Ezekiel, okay, Ezekiel, bring your numbers. How many cards do you have in your hand and people have said that they liked your message? Uh, how many thumbs up do you have versus thumbs down? God would never, never do that. And so God's never gonna say to Ezekiel, where are your results, Ezekiel? How many people responded, Ezekiel? And then Ezekiel would have to say, well, no one. And then where, where, are, where are the numbers, Ezekiel? How many people got saved, Ezekiel? Well, no one. Well, man would say to Ezekiel, based on that, man would say, you preached, no one responded, no one got saved, You're a, you were a failure. I don't think God sent you. And Ezekiel would be tempted to say that about himself also. This is very relevant, see, for us. And so God never wanted Ezekiel to listen to that kind of talk or ever doubt that he was sent because response to the message has nothing to do with whether or not the messenger was sent by God. In exactly the same way, God sent Moses to bring the Jewish people out of Egypt into the land of Canaan, and God knew that of the 1.5 million Jewish people over the age of 20 who left Egypt, only two would enter into Canaan, and that would be Joshua and Caleb. That's it. Oh, 1.5 million, two, Joshua and Caleb. No one else out of those 1.5 million Jewish people over the age of 20 who left Egypt would enter Canaan except for two, Joshua and Caleb. Not even Moses and Aaron would go into Canaan. So to only have two to show out of 1.5 million, they only have two that actually make it into Canaan out of 1.5 million that Moses has brought out of Egypt would be very discouraging for Moses. And Moses could be subjected to a lot of questions like he would ask himself, others would ask him, where are your numbers, Moses? Where are the results of your work, Moses? How many got saved from Egypt and brought into Canaan, see? And so the question would be raised in Moses' mind. Naturally, have I really been sent by God? What am I doing here? So God knew this, but he didn't tell Moses. He, did, he knew that only two were gonna make it, but he didn't tell Moses. And instead, he prepared Moses so that Moses would be prepared for this without knowing exactly what was gonna happen. Now, I've gone through this and I've kind of labored a little bit to make this point because Moses is the long line, the first in a long line of missionaries to the Jewish people. 
And I've been a missionary to the Jewish people for over 40 years, and Moses' results are typical for Jewish missionaries. So Moses' results, two out of 1.5 million, that, that seems discouraging, right? Well, Israel Restoration Ministries, we've knocked on about three million doors, Jewish doors, and we have two Jewish people who have firmly without a doubt, put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're in a race with Moses, and so far Moses is winning, but we hope to, to, to overtake Moses. But anyway, but the point about Jewish missions is that it's not the R for results that goes to the missionary, it's the E for effort that, that goes to the missionary. See, God does not evaluate a missionary to the Jewish people based on results. He evaluates the missionary based on efforts. God does not hold the missionary responsible for the results. God holds the missionary responsible for the efforts. So this principle is expressed in 1 Corinthians 6, 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 8, where Paul is speaking and he uses these words to express this principle. He says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now, he that planteth and he that watereth are one, are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. So in other words, let's just put it another way. Every man shall receive his own reward according to his own effort. See, man gets the E for effort. We plant, man plants. We water, man waters. God gives the increase, God. We are responsible for planting. We are responsible for watering. We will receive, we will be evaluated for, uh, for how much we planted. We will be evaluated for how much we watered, but God is responsible for the increased. We are not responsible for the increased. That's God's responsibility. We're gonna be rewarded for our labor or our effort of planting and watering. And this is especially important for the Jewish missionary because he will be, he or she will be rewarded for his labor or efforts in planting and watering. But he or she is not responsible for the increase or the results. That's God's responsibility. So these verses tell us that we get the E for effort, God gets the R for results. This is especially important to see for Jewish missionaries, Jewish missions, otherwise we'll get discouraged when we try to get God's R for ourselves and the Lord wants us just to focus on getting the E for our efforts. Now, then in verse 12, we comes. So we've seen from verse 12 how God had answered the question of Moses' feeling of insufficiency. Moses isn't done with his expressions of feeling insufficient. He's just kind of starting off here, but he starts off with the who am I, and that's sort of like the introduction for what's coming from Moses. But he's got these feelings of insufficiency, and yeah, well, we can understand. I mean, you know, you're gonna go to this murderous Pharaoh and who's got uh, millions of people and slavery and just tell them that, you know, and you're gonna you know, emancipate them. <laughs> you're gonna walk up to Pharaoh with your emancipation proclamation, you know, okay. So God gives to Moses this universal answer to the feeling of insufficiency, which is, certainly I will be with thee. That's the answer that God has for every discouragement in our lives. 
Every discouragement in our lives is answered by God's statement that he gives here to Moses, certainly I will be with thee. When we feel like we're just not up to it, we just can't do that. We can't, we can't, we're not up to what God has called us to do. Then God answers, certainly I will be with thee. When we're being defied, we're being challenged, and we're thinking, I don't know the answer to these questions, all these questions, and we feel hopelessly under fire, under attack, God's answer to us is, certainly I will be with thee. That's the greatest encouragement that God can give to anyone, especially the, the person who has been sent by God into a very, very difficult situation, into a mission impossible, what it looks like. And God says, certainly I will be with thee. So when Joshua, I mean Joshua, he takes over for Moses, and Joshua, this is really something when you think about the position that Joshua was in. He's gonna now take over leading the Jewish people. That was a very scary prospect for Joshua. I don't think Joshua was tagging along with Moses for all those years saying, Moses, just would you please step out of the side and watch me. I'll really take over and do and be successful where you, know, you weren't. That was not Joshua. Joshua was uh, very close to Moses all this time in the 40 years traveling around in the desert, and Joshua had only known Moses as a great rock, a great rock in which Joshua relied on also, and Joshua had relied on Moses, as did the people, to tell him, what does God think? What does God say? What's God's counsel? What does God wanna do in this situation? So Joshua was relying on Moses. Moses was the mouthpiece for God. Moses was the one who came down and his face was so bright and nobody could look on his face because he'd been with God. And so they had to put a veil in front of his face. And Joshua standing back and he's looking at Moses and he's saying, wow, I don't think I'll ever be like him. You know, when God called him up the 40 days onto Mount Sinai, he didn't say, Moses, come and bring Joshua. He said, Moses, come alone. And then Moses went alone, and then Moses came down with the commandments on the stone, the 10, uh, Ten Commandments. And Joshua watched this, and he says, whoa. So Moses, really for Joshua, Joshua looks at Moses and says, that's my mentor. That's my teacher. That's the person I admire. That's my leader. That's the way Joshua looked at him. And Joshua watched Moses just just endured this unbelievable pressure from the Jewish people. I mean, the times when they wanted to stone Moses, and Moses is just out of his mind's wit, and he goes running to God, and he says, they wanna stone me now, they wanna kill me. Joshua watched all that. And Joshua watched when Moses had got pushed to the brink and sinned so terribly by striking the rock, which he shouldn't have done. And he watched Moses get pushed over the brink by the Jewish people. <laughs> and now Joshua is put in the position of Moses. And so when Moses died, God spoke what would have been terrifying words to Joshua in Joshua 1-2, and these are the words that God spoke to Joshua. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. So Joshua hears these words. You know, can you imagine Joshua comes and he hears these words, Moses is dead. And Joshua <laughs> thought with himself, then I feel that something inside me has died. Moses is dead, my leader is dead. Moses is dead. And then God says to Joshua, you're the man. 
you now go over this Jordan, thou and all this people. And at that point, Joshua could have said the words of Moses, who am I, or, or how am I gonna do this? I'm no Moses, I'm just Joshua. How can I stand up against all these Jewish people? And Joshua, let's not forget, Joshua had his own experience of standing up against the Jewish people because Joshua was one of the 12 spies that Moses had sent into the land of Canaan to bring back the report to the Jewish people. And he brought back, Joshua and Caleb brought back a good report and they had the big grapes and they talked about, oh, the land, it's flowing with, it is a land flowing with milk and honey. Look at the fruit and they carried back these gigantic grapes and they said this this land is just bursting with all these wonderful fruits and so and Joshua and Caleb and they were saying to the people we have a mighty God don't you remember how he split the Red Sea yes there were giants in the land yes that in comparison we look like grasshoppers but God does not look like a grasshopper in front of these giants so let's go and Joshua watched the Jewish people refuse to believe him and his report and instead choose to believe that God would not protect them against the giants in the land of Canaan and that they would be killed like the grasshoppers. And this disturbed Joshua. And Joshua was well, not dumb and so he was sitting there thinking to himself, God went to all this trouble and he brought us out and he did all the plagues in Egypt and essentially broke the hand of Pharaoh and actually Pharaoh and his whole army died in the Red Sea and now these people here, they're gonna kill us? And Joshua had figured this out. And so he was trying to reason with the Jewish people. He said, God is able to bring us through but he watched, he watched, and he had direct experience as he saw the hard-heartedness of his own Jewish people, and Joshua was there firsthand during those times when they rejected God's advice and God's counsel, and he was also there during those times when the Jewish people wanted to kill Moses. And now Joshua hears these terrifying words that Moses is dead and that he's the new leader and he's to do what Moses was not able to do, bring the Jewish people into the land of Israel and cause them to inherit the land. And the big, big, big question in Joshua's mind was the same that Moses had. How am I gonna do that? How am I ever gonna do that? And God's answer to Joshua was the same that God gave to Moses and it says in Joshua 1.5, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. So let me just pause here and just say that God said, listen, I, I know what happened to you in the past. I was there also. And so God says to Joshua, I know those men stood before you and they, they challenged you. But then he says, he starts off in, in verse five, Joshua one, he says, there shall not any man be able, they won't be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. Then he says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. So in other words, he was saying, first of all, he says, Joshua, you gotta trust me on this one, that although there were those who did stand before you, I'm telling you that I'm gonna make it so that no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life, in other words, to challenge you. And then he says, it's going to be a continuation for you that it was with Moses. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. 
And he could sit there and he could think to himself, as I spoke to Moses, I'll speak to you. As I comforted Moses, I'll comfort you. As I strengthened Moses, I'll strengthen you. As I guided Moses, I'll guide you. All those things. As I was a friend of Moses, I'll be a friend of yours. And then he says, and then of course, then Joshua would think to himself, for how long? And then God says, I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. 